Greetings in the name of Christ. Welcome to the Hope to Hope podcast. This podcast exists to share Christ, his truth, and his saving love for his people. To this end, then we exist to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we are in Colossians chapter 1, and we are going to enjoy God, enjoy Jesus. In verse 15 to verse 18, how I wish that I could explain in depth all the teachings that are found here, things that are said about Jesus Christ. But I will not do so because this will be lengthier than I would like it to be. So I will only look at a few aspects that Paul mentions here. But what he is going to teach us here is that Jesus is supreme in everything. Let's read from verse 15 to verse 18. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Why? For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything, preeminence in everything. There is a place for refuting false teaching, but when we think about refuting false teaching, we must not lose sight that in the midst of the false religions of this world, God's call upon us is to present Christ to this dark world because all of his glory is revealed and all of his awesome splendor and wonderful beauty is what we should tell people. It is true that Paul was refuting false teachers here and we have people who today teach the same errors that Paul was refuting here. The Jehovah's Witnesses in particular would be a group of those people. And the problem with they, them saying that Paul is not refuting false teaching here is that they're basically saying that Paul's writing was, the point for Paul's writing was null and void. Because why would he say these things if he's refuting false teaching, if he's refuting the Gnostics of, this, of his day? But Paul takes on the false teachers here that are gathered at Colossae. He seeks to undermine their influence by presenting Christ as preeminent over everything and everyone. He paints for us a clear picture of his person because when the church of Jesus at Colossae lost the loftiness of the view of Jesus Christ, he, he becomes susceptible to all kinds of error meaning the church. Uh, this church in Colossae was young and immature. They had not yet grown to have the, a clear view of who Jesus was. And a church that is without a full knowledge of Jesus as, as Lord is a church that, that may easily be, be deceived. And this is why Paul wants to present Christ in his fullness here so that we may not easily be deceived. He invites us to consider the supremacy of Jesus Christ over all things. And this theme is, is so vast and all-encompassing. 
because and it is difficult to wrap our minds around your mind becomes boggled quickly when you think of the vastness and the infiniteness of the lord jesus christ it is it is too lofty for us to wrap our minds around jesus is magnificent he is supreme and he is fully god it is no wonder people fail to wrap their minds around jesus and they end up with false teaching you cannot liken Jesus to things in creation because he himself was not created. So how can you imagine things in create, creation and find analogies in creation to say this is what Jesus was like? Then if you can do so, you would say Jesus is you would be able to say Jesus was created, but he was not. God calls us to worship Jesus, to love him, to hold him as supreme over everything, over the church and over our personal lives alike. They, this is who Jesus is. And this is what this portion that we've read is about. It is, it is simply to reveal that Jesus is supreme over all creation. He is supreme over the church, his body. And it is important to know something of the false teachers who entered into Colossae. And, you know, they were wanted to woo the church away from a correct picture and right understanding of Jesus. They were claiming that Jesus was import was not they were not saying Jesus is unimportant they were saying he's important and he is relevant they were saying those two things but they were saying that he is not uniquely supreme they were glad to have him along things that were created by him and for him they were happy to say yes he's supreme over those things but he's also one of the created things he is the firstborn from the dead. They were not saying, but he is supreme over all things. But the doctrine of the deity and the supremacy of Jesus Christ is central to our faith. And this is why I said for Paul, it is not merely refuting false teaching, but to show how this is important for our faith. Because when we get Jesus wrong, then we understand the gospel wrong. We understand salvation wrong. We cannot deny the deity of Jesus Christ, yet still be Christian. Christians, by definition, are believers. We have something we believe in. And at the center of what we believe in is Jesus is fully God who has come in the flesh. Though others may be very nice and moral and seem to be Christ-like in their behavior, nonetheless, from a biblical standpoint, you cannot be a believer if you do not believe that Jesus is God. Not just do not know, but do not believe. Because it is true, some people might not be able to comprehend teachings here, but not disbelieve them. I'm not talking merely about not understanding fully. I'm talking about deliberately teaching that he is not God. But we notice here that Paul refused this false teaching. He refused the false teachers in verse 15 through two phrases and i want us to look at these phrases separately um, or individually quickly firstly he says that jesus is the image of the invisible god and this is an interesting phrase how, how can something be an image of what is invisible can you imagine that how, how can you take a picture of an invisible being how can Jesus be a picture of, an, of a God we cannot see? 
Yet this is exactly what Paul is saying. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You see, that's remarkable because the term image um, it can mean what we take it to normally mean. Our definition or one of its definitions is that it is, it is a representation or, or, or reproduction of something that is real. For example, a photographer takes a picture and you know the picture becomes an image of the real thing. But Paul here is saying that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You cannot paint or take a picture or make a statue out of something that is invisible, can you? But of this term image, uh, we have to understand what the New Testament teaches. There is a, a, a Greek scholar, W.E. Vine, and Vine is one of my favorite New Testament and Greek scholars. He defines this word image this way. The word icon. He says the word icon or image involves the double idea of representation and manifestation. It does not denote here merely likeness and resemblance. This is to say this word image does not just mean representation, a reproduction, but it also means a manifestation. That is to say, when Paul is saying Jesus is the image of the invisible God, he is saying Jesus is the visible manifestation so that you and I may be able to see God in his glory. Paul is not saying Jesus is merely a picture of God, something less than God, and just a representation, but rather Paul is saying we can know who God is because Jesus visibly manifested the person of God in his being. Jesus makes God visible to us. Only God can can make God visible. Only the invisible God can make the invisible God visible. It is vital that we are rooted and grounded in this precious truth regarding Jesus Christ. See the second phrase there in verse 15 still. Paul says he is the firstborn over all creation. And this is where the false teachers also get it wrong. He is the firstborn over, look at that, those prepositions are very important. He's the firstborn over all creation, not of all creation. As I said, the Jehovah's Witnesses would argue that the term firstborn means Jesus must have had a beginning at some point. They say that he was a created being at some point and he was not he was born into this world out of he was uh, born into this world out of non-existence but such an understanding of this term firstborn entirely misses the point that paul is 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 teaching here the term firstborn has two definitions which are important for us to know the first is the one we naturally assume that of being a the first child chronologically born into the family. So my firstborn is Waruna, and we assume that, you know, my second born then, you know, is Tigva, and then we have Waruna and Tigva. That's the first way we understand the term firstborn. The first, the second definition, which is also used in the New Testament, was not 
to merely refer chronologically of birth order, but rather referencing the primacy of rank, honor, and position. And we have to use the terms the way they were used because this is God using the term. This is how the first century Christians would use the term. We have to use it the way they they meant it for it to be used. It it was as if the term firstborn was of title or status. It had nothing to do with chronology of one's birth in one's family because you would ha- you could have some people who were called firstborn who were in fact chronologically not firstborn in the Bible. We do not use this term um, in the English language very often. Um, we do not even use it in reference to status. That is the first reason why sometimes we have hard times understanding what it means. But when it is used in the Bible, it refers to priority and honor. For example, in Exodus chapter 4 verse 22, Israel, the nation, was said to be God's firstborn. Israel was not the first nation chronologically. God brought into being uh, um, into this world, uh, not Israel first. But what God is saying is that this nation had his priority and it is first in rank, first in honor. And it was through this nation that he would reveal himself and ultimately give his son into the world to bring salvation into the world. Israel was the firstborn and first in position. Also remember the story of Esau and Jacob. Jacob. Esau was born first chronologically, but Jacob was the firstborn, first in honor, first in position, and first in in status as God blessed him. Paul is teaching that Jesus is preeminent using the term firstborn. Some might say, how do we know for sure? Uh, When Paul uses this term, he is not referring... um, to the first definition, chronologic, uh, defini- chronological, chronological definition. Well, there are a number of arguments and uh, we can look at those in the text. Look at verse 16. He says there, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Paul is saying Jesus is firstborn and the reason why he says he's firstborn is that he first he ranks first in, in in priority because all things were created by him. If Jesus is a created being, how could all things be created by him and for him? The apostle Paul knew when he would uh, state that Jesus created all things, all those um uh who are familiar with the Hebrew scriptures would know that Genesis chapter 1 says that God created all things. Yet Jesus applies this creation um, attributes to God, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the necessary creator. He is uncreated and eternal. Why does Jesus have this first place and status and honor over all creation? Well, we, we see those truths that are, that are going to be revealed and you can see those that they follow logically in the text. 
here's here's one last point i want to show you that firstborn cannot mean first created chronologically look at verse 18 because it is used again there this term he is also head of the body the church and he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything firstborn from the dead was jesus the first person ever to be raised from the dead no there were people who were raised from the dead before jesus and so he's not firstborn from the dead does not mean chronologic in order but firstborn from the dead means that his resurrection is unique it is not like other resurrections he did not rise and die again he rose and he has a glorified body no one has so his resurrection is unique like he is unique of all creation.